Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Sunday, October the 1st, 2023, and it is the 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Our reading today is from the gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and elders of the people, What is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. He said in reply, I will not. But afterwards changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said in reply, Yes, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did his father's will? They answered the first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him. But tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe him. So when I read this reading, I'm reminded of my mother asking me, to do things like vacuum the floor, take out the trash, clean the bathroom, just basic things that from time to time were my chores. And I would always say yes, and sometimes even in a cutesy way, yes, mother, of course, dear, of course I'll do that. Oh, yes, don't worry, I I certainly will do that. And then it didn't get done, or at least it didn't get done for a long time. And then she would quote this passage to me. Uh, more recently, <laughs> I think I'm the opposite. I'm the guy on the other side in that sometimes I'm asked to do a task and I argue against it. And I was like, oh, why are we doing that? That's so stupid. That's not the right thing. Blah, 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 blah. But then I go ahead and do it and I really try to do it well. Um, and yes, in the long run here, we're talking about salvation But also, this would be a good gospel passage to have a discussion about discernment. Discernment of what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I saying yes? Sometimes it's just a people please. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Sometimes it's just a people please to be a workaholic or be a perfectionist, etc. So the ultimate meaning of this and the obvious meaning is what we say to our Lord. When the Lord clearly indicates that we're supposed to be doing something, we should always say yes, and we should always then do what he's asking. We don't always do this. I think of some of the most extreme examples of this are when Mary appears at Fatima in 1917 and says, consecrate Russia to my immaculate heart immediately. And it doesn't actually happen until 1984. And in the meantime, there's been World War II, communist takeover, Stalin, um, Russia spreading her errors throughout the world, as Mary predicted she would, uh, you know, Russia would, if not consecrated. The list goes on and on. Another example would be Jesus asking for France in the 1800s to be consecrated to the Sacred Heart. And the king finally does it after he's been deposed. And so the grace of that consecration was never received by the people of France, but it could have stopped the French Revolution from ever happening and all the destruction and all the people that were killed. And the reality that although maybe in theory, 
there was some good that came from the French Revolution, some advancement of ideals. The reality is, no, they overthrew one government and established another just as oppressive. So, yes, we are to obey the Lord, and we are to uh, do it quickly. This particular passage is not just, though, about obeying the Lord. It is about conversion. It is about following the Lord Jesus. And it's similar to the reading that we had recently about the workers in the vineyard and how some would show up at nine, some would show up at 12, some would show up at three, some would show up at five, and yet they all still got paid the same amount. And then people complained about this. And the point is, well, (laughs) even if you have a deathbed, deathbed conversion, you can still go to heaven. I mean, of course, there might be different amounts of time spent in purgatory, but ultimately when we're in heaven, we will enjoy each other's company. It's similar to the prodigal son and the older brother complaining, you know, why are you throwing a party? But it's conveying to us the nature of God. God is merciful. God wants all his children gathered together in heaven with him. God wants all of us to be under his protection. God wants all of us to be filled with the gifts and the fruits of the Holy Spirit, to have love and joy and peace in this life and in the life to come. So as we look at this reading, we have, well, and Jesus is specifically speaking to the Pharisees, the elders, the chief priests, that you have said yes all along, and people look up to you as people who have said yes, when in reality you are no. Here I am, the Messiah, and you are rejecting me. But even before I came, you were lousy people doing lousy things, and in the name of God and in the name of religion. What a scandal. Versus those who have been public sinners, and yet... When the Messiah came, they converted. They realized they were saved. Their dignity was restored to them. And they followed and they followed with all their hearts. And now they are at the foundation of this new church being founded with Jesus himself on the rock of St. Peter with the apostles. And he says to the elders, even when you saw you didn't follow, even when you knew what was right and wrong, even when you saw it happening, your pride wouldn't let you follow the tax collectors and the prostitutes. Some of them did convert. You know, we have people like Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, but the majority of them did not follow. When I read this, I think about um, the difference between converts and those that have been Catholic or Christian their whole lives. And in that second category, I think about so many of my classmates from Catholic school whether we're talking about grade school, high school, college, there's an expression. It's a horrible expression, but it's a true expression based on what we've seen the past 30, 40 years, that Catholic school is like a vaccine. You get the dead form of the virus so that when you encounter the living, you're immune to it. I mean, many of our Catholic schools have fallen, even if they're still up and running. They're not really teaching the faith. Many teachers in our Catholic schools, I know this from experience, Uh, are teaching the wrong things. Many administrators are promoting the wrong things. There are, however, some good Catholic schools. There are some good teachers in our Catholic schools. But even when you have the best of the best, there still is this culture of laxity. There is this culture that goes from the parents to the teachers to even the pastors that says, well, 
you know, we're going to teach you the right things, but we understand you're going to think other things are more important. You're going to go off to college where you're going to sleep around. You're maybe do drugs. You're going to consider your sports and your academics more important than the faith. And and we're going to, you know, we're going to just turn our heads to this, turn a blind eye to it. And, you know, they hope and they assume in some cases that, well, we taught them well in their early years, so that'll carry through. And in some cases it does, but it leaves out the reality of as they get older and sometimes maybe even in Catholic institutions like some of our Jesuit colleges and many other colleges as well, where anti-Catholic agendas, anti-Christian agendas are going to be pushed on them and they're going to fall to these agendas because they weren't talk taught the radical following of Jesus Christ that uh, includes going against the grain, being part of the narrow path and going through the narrow gate. No, they were taught like, oh, just go with the flow, go with whatever's political, go with whatever's easy and popular, go with the fad. So you have people raised Catholic that are all signing a petition for gay rights or for pro-choice or for so many other things, anti-American, etc., anti-freedom. So we have so many of my friends that I truly love, people I grew up with that I pray for endlessly, but I just see them going down this path that is the path that everybody else is on leading to hell. And then you have the narrow path and there's very few of us on it. And I don't say that in pride, like, oh, look at me, I'm on a better path. No, it's a lonely path. It can be a path of great struggle and I'm not always on it. I, I fall, I sin, I mess up. But I keep trying to get up again and get back on it. I keep trying to get back to confession. I keep, you know, struggling along to do what's right. Keep doing my daily prayer and spiritual reading, reading the Bible, etc. So in many cases, I don't know why, just to even look at this question, why is it that converts are so much more on fire? I think because they don't have that um, mentality of, well, you can call yourself this, but you can do that, that laxity, that hip hypocrisy that exists there. And if they've been in their sins for many years, very often, and more and more of our society is like this now, there's culpability lacking. There's greater sin in an objective way, but... There's less culpability because they haven't been taught. The scary thing is, once again, when I think about my friends that went to Catholic school with me, this led me down a path of just wanting to give my life to God in so many different ways, whereas they've dropped it all. They actually think it's funny to talk about it. They love to make fun of me when we get together, which might indicate they're not really my friends. And uh, there's a lot of culpability there for these people because they know better. They've been taught. Maybe they've forgotten some things. I know we shouldn't judge, so maybe some of their culpability is lacking as well. But we know, I mean, I know from being in the classroom with them, they heard the truth. They heard the truth. Whereas our converts very often, and I just find this in my conversations with people, when somebody's hearing the faith for the first time, it's like, oh, really? Oh, tell me about it. When I tell people about, let's just say, for example, you know, my experience is going to Medjugorje where, you know, the church is still evaluating it, but many miracles have happened there. It's believed Our Lady is appearing. I experienced my own conversion. Converts are so interested in hearing that. They're interested in hearing about miracles. And miracles, more and more, we're learning, they're supposed to be normative. 
and they're happening all over the place. But those that grew up Catholic heard all the saint stories when they were younger, and they just let it go in one ear and out the other. They're not interested in hearing about Eucharistic miracles and Marian apparitions until, of course, maybe they have a tragedy in their lives. Then they might start to turn back. So what do we do with these people? (laughs) We could leave them alone, I guess. But our Lord says in so many words that we are our brother's keeper. And Our Lady, even when she appears, says, you know, preaching has its place, but conversion of a, a true conversion of a heart comes with prayer, comes with fasting, comes with good example. These are the things we need to do. And the great example of this would be St. Augustine and St. Monica. St. Augustine was somebody that said no, no, no to the Lord the first 30-some years of his life, maybe 40 and his mother prayed and she fasted. Initially, she tried to be very controlling. I've, I've read about this in different places. But then over time, she learned, okay, that's not accomplishing anything. My preaching and my striving to be a control freak, that's not going to accomplish anything. So she prayed for her son. She was a constant presence in his life, a constant example of how to do the right thing. Even though she was not perfect, but she did end up becoming a saint, She shed tears for him in her prayers because she cared so much about his conversion and about his soul. She gave him good examples. She prayed. She fasted. She suffered. She struggled. And finally, she saw the results of her prayers. And I believe this more than anything. Our prayers will be answered, even if it's for a deathbed conversion. I believe our prayers will be answered, especially the prayers of parents. The tears of a mother, we are told, are very, very powerful. And so St. Monica not only accomplished her goal, but he became a priest, he became a bishop, he became a father and a doctor of the church, and uh, she became a saint. So we have great hope in praying for the conversion of others, as long as we are always concerned about our own conversion as well. That's the thing that very often people love to judge and they love to preach, but they're not working on themselves. And so that's really the most important message here. People will see if you and I are working on ourselves, that's actually a greater example than anything else we can give. If we're acting high and mighty, hey, everybody, look at me, look at how perfect I am, knowing all the while we know and they know that we're not perfect, that's not going to convert hearts. But if we are praying with all our might, and if we are constantly working on our own conversions, well, it's the law of attraction. It's, uh, and they say this in the 12 steps. We, we went over converts, we went over new members through attraction, not through, and I forget the word they use, but like trying to persuade. It's not persuasion. It's not force by any means. It's attraction. I'm go- I have issues. I'm going to work on them. I'm going to pray with all my might. And I'm going to hopefully show the people around me that when I am close to the Lord, I have the fruits of the Spirit. There's lots of love and joy and peace living inside me as well. So let us continue to live our faith to the best of our ability. Let us say yes in our words and in our actions and hopefully uh, entice others to do the same. Have a great day. Have a great Sunday. God bless.